How are we going, mates? Welcome back to the top step. Real quick, make sure you go click subscribe. Go leave us a review. Go tell your mates. We've got a great show. Grant Balfour is about to join me. We're talking all things CBA as we're rolling in to spring training. 2022 is going to be a blast. We're going to have plenty to talk about and a lot of guys to talk to. We're going to have some unreal guests coming up once we get into spring training. So go do your thing. Go have your workout, your drive, whatever you're doing. Enjoy this episode. Grant Balfour joins me right here on the top step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> Face a Hall of Famer. Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was. As six. Victor Martinez and Grant Balfour join and benches and cleared. My goodness. This this is Grant Balfour being Grant Balfour. Yeah. He he is, as you mentioned, Jim, he's amped up. He talks a lot. It's not personalized, but he talks a lot. In fact, he has the demeanor of a guy that wants to fight you. You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Killing them. Killing them. Yes, kill, we are back. Them. How are we, champion? Yeah, good mate. Good to see you again. Been uh, been waiting for it. I know, me too. It's snowing here, actually. Can you believe it? Crikey, yeah. mate. I can't actually. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I'm looking outside. And, yeah, actually, was down at the beach the other day. I mean, the water's cold, but uh, out on the boat, mate, enjoying a bit of sunshine. So yeah, two different worlds, I suppose. But that's good. You get out on the uh, get out on the snowy, mate, and enjoy the mountains. I love that too. Yeah, absolutely. I got the three year old doing. He's doing blue runs now. Little Lennox crushing blues. He's mate, a maniac. Should see him. I uh, actually was excited to get on the slopes myself this year, but yeah, having the shoulder surgery, probably not a good idea. So maybe yeah. next year, get out there Buck and uh, enjoy you, it. You got Buckley's chance. Now, Grant, we have got a boatload to talk about today. Some of the yeah, things right. have popped up in this, uh, in the latest, the latest and greatest with the lockout. Now, we're, we're taping this right before we're hoping it all ended. We're hoping we haven't got a crystal ball to figure this out, but hopefully when you listen to this, it is all ended, but I want to talk about a couple of things that are going to be a part of the game, uh, 2022 and beyond as the players, the owners get together, shake hands, sing Kumbaya, have a hug and say, Hey, let, let's get on. Let's get down to business. But um, yeah. before we get into that, we do have word of the day. I want to get right to it, mate. Now this is a, a special tribute to Koei, the apprentice who's on with us right now. Now, Koei yeah. is, is an uncle. Congratulations to Koei. Congratulations, Coey. Good on you, mate. His sister's had a... Uh, and we only found this out today, by the way. This, this was not premeditated or anything like that. We found out right before we clicked record. Yep. The word of the day had a couple options, but there's only one option today. And this is in honor of Coey's Ryan Cohen, his new nephew, Milo. Now, yes. <laughs> tell us about Milo, mate, Grant. Well, Milo was just born, uh, you know, two twenty-two twenty-two. So uh, Deuce is wild, mate. Uh, Milo was just born early this morning. So uh, congratulations to Ryan. And uh, in honor of Milo, I wanted to pull up the uh, good yes. old can of Milo here from Australia. <laughs> Grew up on this stuff. The best stuff ever. Milo, you'll love it. I'm so happy you have that in your pantry, mate. That is a mate. staple. In any kid in Australia growing up, part of the diet. Oh, mate, you don't leave home without it. The best stuff. And I just remember eating this stuff on my ice cream. 
uh, drinking Milo's all day long. I, I still crush them. Put the milk. Just depending on the day, I might go a two scooper, a three, four scoops. You know, it's uh, oh mate, it's good stuff. Yeah, I remember too. Like if you know, hot, if you put in hot water, it'd melt in. It'd be like a hot chocolate, basically, or like they yeah, say yeah. in the states, like a hot, like a hot cocoa, right? Yeah, which they drink up here on a snowy day. Now, but yeah. when you put it in just straight water, or I, I guess you put it in with milk, it all comes at the top. So you get the spoon out. Yeah. And spoon it out with a teaspoon. You got chocolate all over your face. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, that's it. It doesn't really mix in too well. You'll, you'll definitely get that layer on the top. And then you just go the, the teaspoon and you just shovel it in. <laughs> <laughs> I got caught a couple of times. I think mum caught me a couple of times. Nose deep in the pants. You just straight spoon it out of the tin. <laughs> oh, mate, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's my favorite, mate. I just shove it right in. And it's like eating sand, you know? I mean, it's just like... Yeah. Once it's in your mouth, it's hard to get Grainy. out. <laughs> you need a chase of it. Mate, it's so good. Yeah, no, it is. I, there, there is an Aussie shop here uh, that sells a bunch of Aussie stuff. I need to get down there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, skip the Tim Tam, skip the, you know, the Arnott's Bickies and get me, get me a tin of Milo. But no, good yeah, stuff. Mate. So again, Coe, congratulations. And yeah, you, you yeah, need a few Milo. He's going to be an absolute champion. He's got he's got a good uncle bringing him into the world. So yeah, maybe okay. maybe he'll grow up instead of on the uh, on the milk, mate, on the breast milk or on the formula. Maybe just get him straight onto the Milo, mate. Yeah, exactly. Jockey <laughs> <laughs> you know? milk. He'll end up yeah, he'll yes. end up end up with a little Aussie accent. I love it. All right, so we've got a lot to get into. So the latest and greatest as as we're recording this, and like I said, we should be relatively close to getting back to business, back to spring training. It's going to yeah. be exciting. We've got a bunch of a bunch of players too. I do want to say this: we I have reached out to different players who do listen to the show. They want to come on, but I understand they want to wait until this this stuff sorts itself out, which is a perfect time. Grant, I was getting frustrated the last couple of weeks, but I get it. I totally understand it. They yeah. want to. Wait till this stuff settles settles down, so they're not, you know, saying saying the wrong things or whatever. Or you know, I totally get that. But spring training is going to be a blast, man. We're going to have a ton of people join us once spring training gets going. Get you excited uh, for the season. But yep. let's jump right into some of the things that popped up in front of us here. They are getting closer. Finally, this last week they've been spending you know, in the same room together for more than fifteen minutes, which is fantastic, and they're slowly starting to make a little bit of headway. So the yeah. first thing I do want to talk to you about, which is interesting, it's always been kind of, regardless of this CBA, you know, even as a player, you get put on the 40-man roster, you have three years of options. So ultimately, yeah. you have three years to prove that you should stick around and be, a, and be an everyday player. Yeah. And in those three years, in, in our time and up until today, until we looked at this, a team can option you back and forth to AAA as much as they want. Now, there is one thing with this, and if you're unsure about how that works, when you do get optioned down, back in our day, you had to be down for 10 days minimum. So you knew you were sentenced to AAA for 10 straight days, unless there's an injury. Now yep. it's 15. It's 15 days you have to go and, and sit down. And one of the reasons they did that is to limit the amount of times player, uh, excuse me, teams can option guys back and forth. So like I said, the amount of times they can go up and down is limit, limitless. There's, there's players who 10 times option back and forth, back and forth, filling yeah. it in as a bullpen arm, this, that, and the other. So what are your thoughts on this, man? The, 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 the players said, listen, no more than four. You can't option a player in one year, back and forth to AAA more than four times. The owner said five. So they're close on that. But what are your thoughts on this? Like, do you think it's something that, 
a team should be able to just option a player back and forth. What are your thoughts on that? It goes both ways, you know. I mean, obviously, you're starting to limit those numbers and not having it limitless. Um, obviously, he's going to, you know, give that guy some more time on the roster. You know, obviously, he gets, you know, sent up and down all year long using, I mean, I'll use the Rays, for example. They, they do it all the time. You know, they move, send a guy down, bring a guy up, send a guy down. So the service time is not going to be there. The other thing is, like you mentioned earlier, yeah, I mean, the guy might be struggling and not doing so well. Let's say they, they've got a limit at four. He's been, he's at the limit four. Well, now all of a sudden they can't option him back down. He's struggling, really struggling. They can't afford to keep him on the roster. He might have to be outrighted instead of having that chance to be optioned down. So it can hurt you and it can benefit the player as well. I see it both ways. Um, by having a number, I think there it is good to have a number though because limitless is just, yeah, it's just yeah. as a player, it just drives you crazy, mate. You're down yeah. there, you got two places, you're living, you know, you're living down in Durham, you're living up, you know, in Tampa or wherever, whatever the, the situation is. I know a lot of teams try to keep their AAA affiliate maybe Close. within driving yeah. distance. But, you know, you're talking about flights, you're talking about all these different costs that are involved as well for the teams. There's just a, there's a lot of things that go into it. But uh, I like to see the number around four or five. I think I think that's good. I think that's a pretty solid number. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting because a team all of a sudden now, they have to weigh in on once you get to June, July, August, September with some of these players. So I don't want a situation where, again, it, and, and this is my point I was talking to you before we came on. Let's say you got put on that 40-man roster. You're 23 years old. You deal with an injury, which doesn't, again, if you're out injured the entire year, that doesn't count as an optional optional year, right? Like if, yeah. you, like if you've only got the three years where you can be optioned down back and forth. But let's say you miss half a year, okay? Or something along those lines. You've dealt with injuries or you've dealt with some other thing, whatever. You're on that third year and you're still trying to make an impression and you're getting those opportunities anytime you get an opportunity to go play in the big leagues, whether it's for two days and you get option back down, that's gold. You know, you should never take that for granted. What if you're, that, you're in that third year? And that, that was kind of my point. If I'm in that third year, I've dealt with some injuries. I've struggled a little bit, something off the field's going on, whatever. It's that third year. Now I'm really, really dying. All of a sudden, the team's like, eh, you know what? We've only got four options. We'll burn you out in April, May because we need those roster spots because you're that last guy in the bullpen. And yeah. you're going to get DFA'd after that. You know what I mean? Even yeah. though you're dominating the big leagues. Let's say you put up a zero on the big leagues. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, like you said, it, there's, there's pros and cons to all these things. But I do like to see him putting a number on it. I do I do like to see that. And then and leading into that with the, you know, you talk about the options stuff that it kind of leads into the, you know, the status of being a, a super two and, and things like that. Yeah. You know, have you put up numbers? Because that's the other kind of timeline is – you know, once you do get those three years in, now you let's say you're you're out of options. You know, you got to make that team. You're also looking at okay, what are we paying this guy now? Super two, your arbitration eligibility, and there's a lot of back and forth here between the owners and the players about what the super two status is going to be. Is it going to be two years, two plus years? Is it going to be twenty two percent of the players? that reach that status? Is it going right. to be 80? Are they going to make a change here? Is there going to be a big bonus pool? There's, there's been a lot of back and forth about that too. Because obviously that leads on to future salaries and what you're going to make based off of the year before. 
And for those, those of you who don't know, like when we're talking pre-arbitration, so essentially you have zero to three years before, and when I say before you start getting paid, listen, my, the, the minimum salary, yeah. I mean, back when we were playing, it was around, you know, 300, I think 400,000 or something. Now it's pushing up past, you know, the half a million dollar mark and then into the 600. So, yeah, and as we all know, there's a big gap between what the players want and what the owners are willing to give for, for your minimum salary. The guys who... First year in the big leagues up until that third year before you get to arbitration where arbitration status is basically then you can start negotiating a little bit and get paid, which again, it's frigging hard to get to that arbitration number. And Grant, you've dealt with that too. You get to that arbitration and you've, you were dealing and the Rays basically said, listen, take this offer or we're not going to non-tend you, right? At that yeah. tender date. Yeah, which I happens. mean, they can, they can do that. They can put that pressure on you for sure, yeah. Yeah, and that was a low ball offer, right? Um, it's based off of the year before. Yeah, the offer wasn't too bad, but it's based off of the year before what I did, and it comes off the year before that. I, I my situation a little different. I had I had been injured going into my first year arbitration. Had a great year to one something, you know, get a bump, but then kind of had a so-so year. So then they're trying to get you there. Then you go out and have another great year, you know, and then you're off as a free agent. But yeah, they they definitely play their cards and. And, and they're trying to, you know, put a scare in you maybe here or there that you force you to take it. Yeah, so it, it's interesting. And looking at some of these numbers, so basically the, what the Players Association, they, they really want to get those guys, and I'll use Aaron Judge as an example. You know, 2017, he hit 50 home runs, and he's yeah. essentially making minimum salary the next year. So the association says, listen, we have to start making changes for players such as Aaron Judge and some of these guys who are putting up better numbers than more than half the league, yeah. you know? So they're, they're looking at that saying, okay, you, you can't keep sort of getting away with that. The problem, the thing is with this though, this didn't exist until this year. It was mm. basically, you have to earn it up until your third year. Three years yep. is, a, by the way, three years of playing major league baseball service time. That's not three seasons. That's yeah. three full years of service time, including injuries and everything else to get to three. That's a lot. It takes yeah. it takes a lot, and a lot. And you of, think, and you think it could take a guy seven years just to get to the big leagues. Absolutely. So that's yeah, ten exactly. years. He's been in baseball for ten years. Actually, like you said, three years of service time. That could mean he had five years of in the big leagues, up and down, whatever. Exactly. Plus seven years in the minors. He's been playing the game for twelve years. All of a sudden, he's just getting a chance to be paid. Yeah. What, a million plus, two million. So, and yeah. again, like, like I said, just if you listen to this, I understand it's a lot of money and minimum salary is a lot of money, but it's all relative. You're sitting there in a locker room with, with 25 other dudes, half of them are getting paid three million, five million, six million. You're outperforming them. You're sitting there going, well, hold on a minute. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm pushing, I've got to push three years to get to, to get to that spot. It's not just about, and this is what gets lost here sometimes. It's not just about that big prospect. who got that big bonus and you know he's going to play two, three years and then off, off he goes, he's going to get paid. No, no, no. This is for those guys, the majority of baseball, that 90% of players, myself included, that you have to each year in, year out, there's nothing really investing in you prior to you getting to the big leagues. You have to outperform, perform, perform. That's a lot, man. It takes a long time. My first year to get yeah. to, to that arbitration size felt like a frigging lifetime. It took yeah. forever to get there. So yeah. I think just back to that. So basically the, the association says, listen, we want 115 million bucks divvied up to as much as far as we know. And this is something we're trying to make sure we figured out 150 players that are in that zero to three, zero to three status. 
that we want to say, listen, give them a bit of a bump. So basically, if you're in that top echelon of players, you're going to divvy up. And I don't know how they want to divvy up. If it's just like, a, oh, you're in the top 150, there you go. You get a little bump here. And it's, you're talking about 700000 extra dollars per player per year. The yeah. union... Uh, I'm curious to see where they get to with this. Well, they, they're going to use the war. Apparently, they're going to use the right. war. One of one of these ones, whether it's fan graphs or whatever it is, yeah. they're going to go off of that. And they're going to base it off of that, and there's going to be some type of uh, understanding yeah. well, they- between the players' association, and the union. This is what your war is. If you're at a four point seven, yeah. blah blah. This is what we'll put. You know, this is going to be your bump. Gotcha. These are your raises. So I, I'm assuming that's what it's going to happen, so, so and that's saying- what they're going to have to figure out. So you're saying if you're the 150th player and you just get into that 150, you might you might get an extra yeah. 20 grand. You might get yeah, you might get an extra ten a mile, mate. Yeah, you get a mile. <laughs> yeah it, I mean it's it sounds like they want 80 percent of players in that yeah. super two status to get that bump, right? Because you know, like you said, it, it does it it does take a while. It does take a while to get yeah. to that status and, and in your career and. And obviously, like you said, you, you you go hitting 50 home runs. You you deserve to be paid uh, sure. at a higher level. I can just remember guys put up great years. The team would come back and 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 back in the day, whatever you talk about, a 300,000 minimum, the team would come back and say, well, we'll give you 335. We'll give you, you know, you had a big year. And they would just renew. They would renew and say, right. thank you. I don't want anything. And, and that was just, uh, I think, as a something to go back after him again, once they do take him to arbitration and they sit in an arbitration case, they can say, well, we just renewed every year. They, they weren't prepared to give me, they're only going to give me 35,000 oh, raise. And they would because go Mookie after Betts, him then. Mookie Betts had a renewed contract with a big bump on it. But some other, how does that work, dude? Because I know you, because I remember every year you'd go into spring training around that time and you're like, oh, contract's renewed. And they'd yeah. give you a nice little, you know, a couple extra, you know, 24, 40,000, but there's really, they don't need to do that. So what, how, what's yeah. that based off and what's the, what's the I, advantage there for the team? I never really went through that. I think it's just trying to, I think they're just trying to look after the players okay. because they don't want it, They don't want them to get them on the back end in arbitration, right. you know, have that kind of rapport with the player and say, Hey, we're, you know, we're going to give you that bonus. We appreciate yeah. what you did as opposed to, well, you know, we're going to give you five grand and the players like, well, come on, you know? And then, uh, and he's like, ah, oh, forget it. We'll renew. And then they'll go after you in arbitration, you butt heads. You know yeah, I mean? that makes and sense. Okay. Trying to get them. But if the team says, let's say the team, let's say the minimum salary is 500K, right? Like it was, you know, whatever it was last year. Let's say 500. And let's say the team says, oh, we'll give you 550. And you're like, nah. <laughs> like, can't they say, well, look, we offered him the Yeah, the I money, suppose. Right? I, mean, I don't really know the particulars when it comes to that. But definitely if they put an offer in and you reject it, I mean, that's on you. Kelly had something, the apprentice had something to say about uh, Mike Trout. What did Mike yeah. Trout get his first year as a thank you? As a thank, little thank well, you. Like, so bucks, mate. The Angels gave him a million dollars. in million. Going into 2014, which is higher than the minimum of whatever it is, 550 because they wanted to foster that good relationship with him. And then they were able to sign him for the long-term deal. It's not an actual thank you, obviously, but I think it sets a good precedent if you want to lock him up long-term. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Kelly, exactly. the apprentice. And I, that, I do remember that. I do yeah. remember that number. As soon as you brought up Mike Trout, I remember that million bucks. It was smack bang on a million. And they said, here you go, mate. Here's your first mil. Actual, actual fact that he was a first round and he already had a couple of mil in his pocket, but yeah. Now that that worked because obviously they locked him up and hopefully, and we talked a little bit about this and I want to talk about uh, Juan Soto here in a second. 
players sticking around with the same club their entire career, Derek Jeter, Eddie Martinez. We talked to Justin Renault about that. Let's say Mike Trout said, nope, I don't want to renew that. F off. Give me the minimum. Can he do that? Or they say, nope, we're giving you a million bucks, whatever. And then when we get to arbitration, if they ever did, they end up signing a long-term deal. They can say, sorry, yeah. we got you here. It's just interesting. I, I just think there's, it's kind of like a little bit of a gunslinging with that, in, in, so to speak, because they can basically control all of that, you know? Yeah. Well, that's that they have the control there. And then they, <clears throat> I think it's just about keeping that rapport between the two sides, you know, the agent, the player, the team, yeah. having that good relationship between the two of them showing that hey you know we appreciate what you've done and obviously with certain players they know they want to keep them around they're you know going to build their club around them so yeah they're gonna they're gonna take care of some guys right more so than others on that note man on on that note and again look we, we both grew up in australia you see these players it's a little bit different now but in the sports that we watch they sign with that team and that's it they're with that team for life baseball's yeah. never really been like that unless you're a like i said Derek G, maybe it was back in the day. I mean, look, Babe Ruth went from yeah. frigging the Red Sox to the Yankees and he wasn't going anywhere after that. Derek yeah. G was never going to play with anyone out, outside of the Yankees. It's kind of weird to see, you know, Tom Brady was with the Patriots. Kind of weird. It's still weird to see him in a Tampa Bay uniform. Yeah, but, definitely different. Yeah, even even I think... I mean, we like, had Joe Maurer, who obviously retired right. a few years ago with the Twins. And you got Ryan Zimmerman, who's yep. announcing his retirement. I believe he was with the Nationals the whole time. Yeah. So yeah, there's been a few. There's always a handful, but yeah, you just you just don't see it as much anymore, for sure. As you know, yeah. and, a lot, and a lot of these contracts, which we're kind of leading into, uh, some of these deals that you know they get backloaded. For instance, Soto, he's he's been offered 13 years at 350 million. Just on that too, if if you're unaware, Juan Soto, really good player, Nationals, right before the deadline. And I'm curious. I want to talk about this in a second. You can explain it, but. Right before the deadline, 13 years, what, 350 mil? Yeah, just a cool you, 350. Yeah. <laughs> you scratch your head like, what's it, mate? Like yeah. 13 years of what, what yeah, you're you thinking, mate? Jets, 350 or? million. But like you said, it, it's crazy. People listening will think, oh, you know, this is insane. And and myself included, 350 million. Think, oh, mate, you jump at it, right? You, the only way you're going to get 350 is win the lotto, right? <laughs> the numbers come up. You get the five numbers and the. Yeah. And the, and the supplemental, mate. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, 27 million, he looks at it as like, well, you know, this guy's getting 30 odd. I could get 30 plus. Mm-hmm. So he's rejected it. And now uh, we're sitting here in a lockout and I'm sure things will fire back up and he'll, he'll end up getting a deal uh, with the Nationals, something to work out, I, I would think. Yeah, I don't know how far apart they were or too much on that. But uh, it definitely it leads us into you know, talking about some of these contracts and and the money that's being spent in the game. Talking about the longevity of players staying with teams and, and, and making $27 million. And it, the way they set up these contracts now, 13-year contracts, typically they backload a lot of them. Like Stanton, you know, with the Marlins, signs a massive deal, 325 mil, 13 years or whatever it was. Next thing you know, he's wearing pinstripes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people are shaking their head thinking, well, I thought he was going to be in Miami for 13 years. <laughs> well, think again, guys. Because he, you know, like there's no way the Marlins are going to fork out forty mil a year at some point. You know what I mean? So, so, some some yeah, poor bastard's got, yeah. got a Stanton tattoo on his arm, walking around Miami right now. Yeah, that's it, mate. He's uh, he's uh, true and true, but you know, it's just the way it is. A, a lot of those contracts are set up that way. It happens a lot in the game, and you know, typically you, know, think- you see them end up with with bigger teams, bigger market teams. 
And I've said this too, and I said this when, when Steven Strasburg signed that deal after 2019, Nationals won. Strasburg's had just a ton of injuries. But the Nationals decide he becomes a free agent, World Series MVP, free agent. Well, they sign him, but to the, the thing that got, got me, and this was kind of heading into a, an era, I thought of a lot of one-year, two-year deals. You see Trevor Bauer like just up the amount of money, and as he yeah. says, or some of these guys say, I'm going to back myself, sign a shorter-term deal with more money per, per year. Yeah. I was thinking baseball is going to go way more towards short-term short deals. But then talking to Chris Woodward a couple episodes ago, you, you, you kind of get the sense that it's all about years. And even talking to Liam Hendricks, he talked about that too. The play, yep. the cost of this to the team is going to be years. So in order for Juan Soto to get close, remotely close to get some sort of bargain per year, all right, man, we'll give you 10 plus years, make it 13. And like you yeah. said, not that the Nationals well, have no intention of keeping him around, you know, sixth, seventh year on or whatever, four years in. But Well, I have, um, I have something to add to that. I mean, it all, it all do, does come into... The point where, okay, is he going to be a cornerstone guy for how long, right? They they know what they want. They, they're thinking, all right, this guy's a cornerstone for 10 years, 10 plus years. He could sit here and play right field for us for 10 years. And we've got no one else that we're going to bring in. Then you got other teams like the Dodgers. They say, well, we got little Johnny down in double A, mate. And this guy's going to be a stud. We'll do Bauer for two years. But after that, Johnny's going to be ready and we can right. get him and he can put up some serious numbers up here in the big leagues. Because they got prospects just coming through the system, so it, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of thought process past, you know, what I know. Obviously, not knowing what each organization has and, and what's going on on the inside, but um, that's definitely what they're thinking. You know, too on these longer term deals, shorter term deals. Yeah. What's in the wings? What's waiting in the minor leagues? And, and oh, you know, sure. how long do they want these players around? You know. The other thing, and, and just back to to Justin Morneau, and he, he wasn't ripping on the Tampa Bay Rays. But yeah. if you're a fan, like you're talking about building a fan base and the, the game, the state of the game for some of these teams that wave the white flag. We talked about the anti-tanking rules. Uh, not rules, sorry, the, the anti-tanking measures that are coming in, which I love. I love the fact that that's a huge priority to these, to the CBA where you get incentivized. And this is stuff we'll talk about in, in a week or so. You get incentivized if you do good things for, for your young players with draft picks and what have you. Yeah. But if you're a team that just, you're going to have a good player, good prospect, use him for a couple of years and then off you go. You're not buying jerseys. You're not investing in that team. You're a 12, you got a 12-year-old son who goes and watches their favorite player and gone in two years. You're not going to build a fan base. More than I talked about that. You mentioned Joe Mauer. The Twins always had those steady figures that everyone could, could look at, especially in, the, in those good years where they, they had really good runs and everything else. I just think for the game, for the game itself, the long-term deals ha have added. It gives them more of a chance to have stability, more of a chance to say Juan Soto is the face of our team. Go buy the jerseys, go get invested because we're going to build a team around him. And it's exciting too. It tells the fan base, look, we're, we're ripping in here. This is, this is our yeah. time. This is our next decade of good, good stuff. And think about when you show up to some of these stadiums, you see some of these monuments out the front of these stadiums. These are guys that didn't just yeah. play two or three years with that club. <laughs> they played <laughs> no. a long time. And I know, where are all the, the monuments going to go? That's right. Yeah, exactly. All the monuments, mate. There, there won't be any. You've got retired numbers on the wall. I mean, that's something Great to be point. proud of. You go, you go into the stadium and you see your numbers retired. Yeah. You know, obviously you had longevity there with that club. You know, so things like that are pretty cool to go in. The history, you know, behind the clubs, the teams, For and sure. the game itself. 
don't want to see that go either. Yeah. Yeah. Spe- speaking of teams getting more competitive, this is something I, I, I really wanted to um, to talk about the playoffs. Now, 2020, we had ex- expanded playoffs. I didn't yeah. mind it, man. I, I honestly didn't mind seeing some of these other teams get a crack at making the playoffs. But on the flip yeah. side, the, Mar- the Seattle Mariners, right? They won 90 plus, they win 90 plus games. They're out of the playoffs. They've had a 20 year drought. And their big goal is to get to the playoffs. Now, if you're in a situation yeah. where half the league gets in, aren't you like, uh, well, you know, what, I think M- the MLB basically wanted 14 teams in the playoffs. Players Association uh, said, okay, we'll come up to 12. That's where we kind of stand right now. First of all, I've got a question for you. Why would the Players Association want to limit the amount of teams that are in the playoffs? So that's a good question. I mean, I, uh, I I do know that a lot of the money's going out to ownership, right? Once we have extended playoffs, obviously there's there's more games, there's more revenue coming in, and, and a lot of that's being played paid out to the ownership. So they want the more more teams to keep that revenue. Uh, you know, there's more games on TV, just more money in general. The players, that side of things, it's uh, they're at twelve. And I think they like the expanded, but the other side of it is I think that they know that if we go too many, yeah. like you said, teams won't spend to get to the playoffs. They know that oh, I can sit back and win 82 games and still get to the playoffs. Right. And if I get hot, like the Cardinals, 80 wins or whatever it was, 82 wins, get hot, and you can have a run and go all the way through and win the World Series possibly. Not to say that they won it, but you can have a good run and get deep into the playoffs. Whereas yeah. you got another team that won 103 games, went out and spent big, did everything, so to speak, the right way, and you know, and get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The other thing they're talking about too is, I mean, yeah, I remember uh, the short season there, 2020. I think the Reds hadn't been in the playoffs for ages, and they snuck in there with like 80 <laughs> wins or something. You know what I mean? The, yeah. All the fans are like, oh yeah, we made the playoffs, you know, and then see you later after the first round, but. Like you said, I think it's it's got to be a certain point where it's like you said they're saying twelve. The, the owners want fourteen because you know they know there's more money there. But the players are saying, well, hang on, if we if we let too many in, you know, there's only thirty teams in the league. We're not going to let half the teams in the league right. just make the playoffs all of a sudden and have a run at it. Why am I going to spend all this money to finish first? And then the other flip side of that too now is they're talking about MLB saying, well, if you finish first. You can choose to play the team that, that right. only won 80 games and knock them out. You have that choice. So yeah. that's kind of where they're trying to give a little bit back to the players by saying, well, we want 14, but you can choose them, just knock them out if you don't think that they deserve to be there. Here's the thing too, and, and I know Coe had a couple of thoughts on this. Coe, what do you got, man? Your Padres, let's say your Padres are that 14th team. Right, you're a big Padres. You, you love your San Diego Padres. Let's say they're the 14th team. They haven't haven't done anything. Haven't spent any money. There's been no one in the seats. Obviously, they're good good on that right now. But hypothetically, how are you feeling from a fan's point of view, sneaking in the playoffs at that last minute? Yeah, I mean, you talked about it with the Mariners too. Where if the Mariners made it in a 14, you know, they haven't made it since 2001. If they made it in a 14 team playoff where they were 82 and 80, is that all that special? I don't know. I, I don't think so I personally. And the Padres hadn't made the playoffs since 06 until 2020. Now they were the third best team in the national league. They would have made it no matter what the expanded playoffs or not in 2020, but it still kind of felt, I hate to use the word cheap, but it felt yeah. like less than it would have had they played 
well, had they played a full 162, obviously, but had they earned it in a 10-team format? And my big problem with it, I mean, look at let's look at 2021, right? In the American League, expanded playoffs would have been great. The Blue Jays, Mariners had great years, fun yeah. young teams, good offense in Toronto. I would have loved to have seen those two play <laughs> on the big stage. But in the National League, the Reds and Phillies <laughs> didn't belong in the playoffs. I mean, come on. And if, you, if there are 14 teams making it, then what's the incentive to go spend on that middling free agent when you can just hope that a Jonathan India breaks out and that's good enough to get you 82 wins and then you make the playoffs. And as we know, in baseball, the Braves won the World Series. You make the playoffs, anything can happen. I think you should have to earn it there. I, I agree with that. If I'm the sixth or seventh best team and I've gone and spent money and been motivated and blah, 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 then I play this 14th team and whatever it's that one game that that's the thing that gets me mate with this situation where it, it could be you're one of these top echelon teams killing it all year long and i get it, oh, it comes down to one game you got to take care of business baseball's 162 games you get to the playoffs not based on one game right you get to the world series and all of a sudden game six game seven that's where it's that's where there's different elements come in i'm talking about a 14th place team that went on a good run or whatever I haven't spent any money. You're right, man. There's that incentive to just be like, eh, oh, we might go get a couple of players. We might go on a you're run. Play, mate, you're playing with house money at that point, aren't you? Yeah. It's like For you're sure. playing with house money. Like it's basically what it is. You know, you get in, you're probably so shocked you even got in. <laughs> Put it in this way. Look, and, and I don't speak for everyone here in Seattle because I know we have a lot of Seattle listeners the end of the year was an absolute blast. That last weekend felt like the playoffs. It, my heart was racing the whole time. It was sick. We had it was all dependent on the Red Sox and the Yankees. I had to lose a game, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. There was this, there was this anticipation. Now the team was not quite there a month, uh, three weeks prior. So you wouldn't see people in the seats. Even the Tuesday, Wednesday night before that weekend, the place wasn't packed, right? That weekend rolls around. It's like, damn, you really had to earn it hard to get there. And it just created this whole buzz. Now, if you're rolling in with a 78 win team, whatever, you're like, hey, yeah, oh, we're in the playoffs. Great. Just like you see, I, I lived in friggin' Arizona. I remember the Suns, this, uh, the Phoenix Suns. Man, people love the Suns, but there wasn't this playoff buzz because the NBA takes half the league into the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it, I, I struggle with that a little bit. I think, tw you know, 12 I mean, teams. I agree with the 12. I like, uh, like you said, you get that buzz. There's more opportunity at the end of the year for people to play. So you're going to get those trades. There's there's more opportunity for people, teams, I should say, uh, to get into the playoffs. They're going to they're going to go for it. They're going to, you know, it's going to create more buzz in the game for the fans at the end of the year. You know, it, it wasn't too long ago. There was only eight teams going to the playoffs, right? Yeah. Three, one from each division and a wild card. That's it. That's steep, mate. That is one steep. Play, that's it. You know what I mean? And then if you were, you know, if you were five games back, I mean, or whatever, 10 games back with two weeks, it was like, good luck, you know? Yeah. Nowadays, 10 games back with two weeks, if there is 12, like the players want, that still gives that buzz yeah. for, for teams no, for to, sure. you know, have a chance and for the for the fans. I mean, I can sit here and tell you a story when I was in Oakland. I think I've said it before, maybe on here. Six games to go, five games back we were. Never been in first place, mate. We went in. Texas got swept by Seattle or something like that. And we swept someone. Anyways, now we're two games back with three to play. We've gained that three games. Yeah, we went in, beat Texas the first night, beat Texas the next night. Now it's like winner takes all the last day. Beat them, won yeah. the division right there on the last day on, on game 162. Won the division 
and, and go to the playoffs. Never been in first place the whole year. Right. 162, we're in first place right at the right time, mate. So that's epic. just like unbelievable. Yeah, that's the famous story of you kicking water bottles off mounds to get into the game, mate. I, I remember yeah. clear as day. I saw that. Yeah. By the way, I did put a clip up on our social media. The water, you can see you walking on the mound. I don't know if you if check this out on the social. You do see water splash up. <laughs> it's cold, dude. Because <laughs> mate, that's, that's why the- I pitched four days in a row. I'm like, I'm going to go five. Yeah. I'm going to finish it. Finish what I started, you know, along with <laughs> you know, a few of the other boys, mate. Doodle and Cookie and whatnot, and obviously the whole team, but just for as a bullpen guy, you know. The best was when you told that story, I was laughing my ass off and it was great. And then it got validated when Shavi came on. Chavez. Jesse Chavez came on and said, I said, oh, what was it like having Grant as a uh, teammate? Boom. The first story he goes to is the, uh, <laughs> the water bottle. I was like, yes, this is not exaggerated at all. And you're not the kind of person to exaggerate, that's for sure. But sometimes, yeah. Oh, you know, I kicked, I punched him in the face. I told him to beat it. It's like, eh, that you kind of just shoved the dude. You know what I mean? Like when people yeah. exaggerate stories, so, no, that, that was, that was absolutely gold. The year you kicked the water bottle grant, was that the year that Josh Hamilton like dropped the shallow pop flying center? Or was that a different year? Yeah. He, he dropped the, he, uh, the ball. Uh, it was the sun ball. Yeah. We called it the sun ball, mate. The sun was so bad out there, but Coco Chris, mate, he could, he knew how to shield it. No one else, no one else did, but he could do it. And he'd be down there like this. He'd get all the way down onto his knees and he'd be shielding that bum and he'd catch balls, you know, like two feet off the ground sometimes in center field. But yeah, Hamilton just plain dropped it. And it so what, it so what, what Coe the Apprentice is trying to say, Grant, if you, if you miss that, and that's quite a dig, I think you missed it. He basically said the only reason the Oakland days got to the playoffs is because Josh Hamilton dropped the ball. Oh, come on. That is not what I was saying. <laughs> come on now. It's because they had a great closer. Wouldn't take yeah, that no, from I mean, the it, it definitely, um, it definitely <laughs> helped. I think, I think we were tied with it. Might have been in that last game actually, but we were, it was a close. Like, we had already tied him up. It was the last game of the year, but I think it was definitely a ball that should have been caught. But um, it definitely gave us a huge, huge advantage and uh, got got us back in that game or, or gave us the lead. Or I can't remember what it was, but definitely, yeah, I do remember it. Do you always notice too, real quick on this, because I've got a couple more thoughts on the playoffs before we move on to another topic, which I cannot wait to talk about. Something I noticed in college baseball here coming up here in a second. But the walls in Oakland, they're always moist. What is with that? Do you remember that? Like, nah, you put- mate, I, ne- I never got that close to them. I never got that <laughs> like close. When, when you, when you uh, catch it's probably them. all that fog that comes in, mate, off the bay. Oh. It's I always cold like, down there. It's always cold in the always night hosing down there. this place down like 24-7. They got the sprinklers. Oh, mate, during the day, it's beautiful. The sun's out. Yeah, it's, it's nice. beautiful. And then as soon as the night rolls around, mate, you got those thick coats on every night down there. Very yeah, you got to wear two jumpers, mate. Yeah, yeah I got my skivvy on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. like, you, like you down. Jinderbine. All right. Now, real oh, quick, yeah. just, but just I want to wrap up the playoffs thing here. Listen, I... I got to say 2020, and I think because I was baseball starved that year, I did like seeing a little bit of variety with the playoffs. I did, but I do yeah. love the fact that it is limited. It always has been. You mentioned before how it's just the one wildcard team. You work your ass off to try and get that, that second spot if you're out of first place, if a team's run away with 162 games. Man, I, I, I like the fact they're playing with this a little bit. I think they have to, but I just don't want to see, oh, so-and-so, uh, you know, the Cincinnati yeah. Reds are in the playoffs. I'm like, no. I don't know one player on this team. I'm not going to watch that, man. Like, I'm just, you know. Nah, mate. I, I totally agree with you. I agree, I agree with Coey, mate. It's, you got to earn it. You got to earn it to get to the playoffs. I mean, that's just plain and simple to me. You can't just scrape into the playoffs and think, oh, yeah, here we are. I just feel like that's something that's, that's like an award. 
I'm not going to give you an award best, you know, the best and fairest, mate. Like, forget that award. You're either the MVP or you go, <laughs> or you go home with nothing. You know, the best and fairest to me was like, come on, mate. Highly commended. Go take the guy to Macca's <laughs> and give, you know, get a Big Mac meal and just call it a day. Forget, right. be done with the best and fairest. We're best MVP fairest. here and that's it. You know, hey, I got, I got a couple times the highly commended award. That's <laughs> <laughs> like you got the stud. The kid is just killing it, crushing balls, just throwing yeah. you know, absolute gas past everyone. The MVP or the the, yeah. the golden arm, or whatever. Then you've got the wow. yeah you know, best and fairest, like the best sportsman, yeah. whatever. Then you yeah. got the bloody highly, highly, highly commended. Which well, Coey, I, th- I think it's the yeah. equivalent, mate, to the the most improved, the most, most improved. improved. Yeah. Well, then again, I guess the most improved. I mean, you could be that kid that was at the bottom of the team. Fair enough. You no, know, you're not. You're not that MVP, but mate, you got you you worked your butt off. You got so close. Yeah. There is maybe there is time for an award there. I Can't can see the, that. If you really yeah. see the kid working hard and putting in. Yeah. And for all those most improvers out there running around, you know, keep going. You keep going, mate. I'll tell you what. <laughs> but there, there was always that like um, yeah, and the one bloke he was quiet at the beginning of the year, then he started getting getting involved and getting into it, getting stuck in. Uh Tommy, up you come, mate. Most improved. <laughs> Highly commended. <laughs> and the, the mum and dad, like, yeah, it's awesome. But no, yeah, you mate. do drive keep away. That up, you, mate. You'll be right at the top. Yeah, you got your uh, you got your your trophy, best you got teammate. the best teammate. <laughs> They're all good. <laughs> I, I, I think Cowie the Apprentice. I think he he was the uh, recipient of a couple of these awards. He's throwing them up on the. Yeah, chat he's here. looking up on his shelf, mate. As you, as we're talking, yeah, I know I know him all too well. My high school varsity days, I was uh, I was the best teammate quite a few times. <laughs> he's glancing uh, mate, up. Good, good on you. That's uh, that's a good one to have. Good every every time. Mate. Every time we bring him on, we'll bring him on here in a second. But every time we bring him on, yeah, you know, he he slowly tries to turn the computer screen off to the wall where he's got the wall of trophies. They're yeah, the most that's improved. it. That's <laughs> it. Line up. Now, listen, mate. Some, when we talk about the the game and and not changing rules, I don't. I think we're on that fence, mate. I think you've got the old generation is like, don't change the game. I'm on the fence. There's some things I want to keep. Some things I want to bring in. But I will put my foot down on this one. I want to talk about this, mate. I've noticed yeah. this over the weekend. And this kind of went viral. You saw some of the best college teams, these pitchers with these wristwatches or wristbands on, getting the yep. signs. I, I yep. mean, I'm sorry. I'm, let's get rid of those things quick, smart. And it's uh, they're, they're not wearing breitlings either. I don't know what these <laughs> things are. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't, who, who's making these things and, and what's going on? Coe, you got a little bit of insight there, mate? Hey, or what? Coe, what are you got on this, mate? Let me make it very clear. I am, I love bat flips. I love 3-0 swings. Like I am not an old get off my lawn fan. I'm a young kid. Right. I don't like the watch technology. I don't even like when the catcher pulls out a card. You like when Kiermaier oh, stole the card. Yeah, I didn't yeah. mind that. Yeah. I don't think that should be a part of it. I'm all for using technology to learn and get better. I'm all for having the scouting reports. That's awesome. But once you're on the field, I don't think it should be about how much data the coach can feed into your ear or your wristwatch. I think it should be up to you. How much do you know? Here's the thing. Here's the thing on this too. And you mentioned the cards. Now I I will say this because I've got a long list of things I want to discuss with this watch. We don't have a whole lot of time. I always say that in college. No pun intended. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Grant. (laughs) So you you don't usually always see the, the the gizmos or or the 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 antics in college baseball sneak into the big leagues right there's things i love about college baseball i love it i mean we've got a bunch of um next gen kids all over i loved it this weekend oregon state we've got juco kids you know i got a kid at grand canyon university i love watching the stuff awesome programs and the talent level's insane now i feel like 
maybe because the COVID year, everyone stuck around. These guys, these kids are studs, absolute studs. But just back to the, the wrist thing, the card thing, right? I noticed that in college before I noticed in the big leagues. Usually you don't see this technology, this gizmo stuff that you see in college baseball, some of the random whatever you see sneak into the big leagues. I don't want to see these in the big leagues. I'll, tell, I'll give you the red hot tip. The other one, now, Willie Bloomquist, shout out to Willie, who's going to come on the show here in a couple of weeks. He's the head coach at Arizona State University. Play with him in the big leagues. I said to him, I said, what do you got on these wristwatches? He said, no chance at ASU we're using them. No, some of these professional, ex-professional players, they want their catcher to call the game. That's how they're going to learn. That's how they're going to learn the hitters, read the swing, sitting right behind him. In college baseball, the coach is, you know, touching the face, giving the signs to the catcher to give on to the pitcher. Look, I get it, man. You've got analytics and stuff. I don't know how deep of analytics you've got in college baseball because a lot of these guys, you still can't get really good video on these players anyway. You really can't. It's not like college football. It's not like the big leagues where you can go and pull up. You play in the Atlanta Braves and you can pull up their local feed and boom, off you go. you got all the video you want. A coach sitting in the dugout, I'm sorry, I think is going to limit what happens if he's calling the signs as opposed to that catcher learning the learning his pitcher, getting a feel he's sitting inches away from the hitter. So that's the argument there with the watch. Yeah. Oh, well, it's easy for the coach coaches to go click, click, click. It's coming from the coach actually. And the yeah. catcher gets it. The pitcher gets and off you go. These things are ridiculous. Man. I've seen like a red one. I've seen a black one. So what you're saying, it goes from the coach to the pitcher and then to the catcher or the how boat. is that? It goes both. both. So yeah. So like the, so everyone's the on the same page. So there should be no cross ups. The battery goes dead or something. Pitches out there running circles. The thing is, yeah. you, you can't shake off the. You're not going to shake off a coach in college. But a lot of these programs, you're not going to shake them off, right? Yeah. So he says fastball inside, boom, and the and the pitcher has to look at it and go, okay, fastball inside. I mean, what if yeah. I'm like, man, I just I'm not feeling it. Uh, just and I know baseball pitch sequencing. It's all complex, and that's what I love about baseball. But at what point, just holistically speaking, is it not sports? You know, like is having a watch with, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and from T ball up to the big leagues, has the right fielder ever known what pitch the reliever is going to throw? So, so now, so now are we, I was going to say, so now we're going to have everyone on the field wearing it. So the right fielder is like, all right, he's throwing fastball in. I'm going to shade to the left. So the, the, the coach doesn't have to even say, hey, shade. Because you, you're already shading for the pool hitter, right? And it takes away that, you know, the shortstop mouthing to the second baseman who gives a knot to the first baseman. Yeah. Okay, fastball away to this. Well, he might he might just call him instead. You might just grab your cell phone <laughs> yeah. and just call him, you know? Ask Siri to text him what <laughs> yeah, to say. Siri, yeah, Siri, just text him over there. Hey. And it, like you said, th those type of things starts getting a little bit too much. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love the technology off the field and what it brings. So, but when you go out there on the field, I like to see the guy out there old school competing uh, threw a fastball in and then the catch is going back. They're working together as a battery. Absolutely. And, and, and what's he going to throw here? He can go with the slider. I don't want to see my coach in, you know, in, in there having to tell me what to do because I'll tell you now, once you get to pro ball, which is only going to be a year or two away, you have to start figuring it out. The coach ain't going to be there to hold your hand and say, Oh, I got to go fastball in. So like, right. And you would hope, that they know how to pitch and learn how to pitch. But on, on that, on that, right? Classic example. I we have a scouting report, right? Now, this is back in the day. It's, it's different now. I want to talk about analytics here in a second. You you, you have to go off field. You, you notice there's and again, let's say this sneaks into the big leagues, right? And you've got the left field or right field, the center field with the same wrist wristwatch. Big leaguers shake all the time. They do. 
Liam Hendricks is in the ninth inning, whatever. You see him shake all the time because he knows he knows exactly what feels right at that moment. So what's he supposed to do? Go uh, no, press a big X on that and go no, and put something else in. And is he going to literally sit there and go like this and tap off? It's not going to speed up the game. It's going to slow the game down in reverse. Hundred, hundred percent, right? And then you're going to have a Wi-Fi malfunction. The Bluetooth's not going to work, and something's going to oh happen. And you have to call time. Hey, just, just on you know that how too. technology works, mate. It has its glitches. Just on that. Now, kids, I get it, man. Even Kelly, your age too. You're younger than us. The rap soda machine. Now, I set up the rap soda when I'm working with these kids, right? We're working on velocity. They're like, oh, I've got the rap soda. It's like, no, no, no. Listen, mate. You're right now, you're throwing 82 miles an hour. This thing, the rap, rap soda, no offense to rap soda, but it can get glitchy sometimes. It drops out. So I'm sitting there. I've got now with this kid to try and throw a bullpen session. I'm spending 15 minutes trying to get this thing to, to connect on the Bluetooth and everything. It does my head. I'm like, dude, just get up there and let, let's just pitch, man. Let's get some feel going. I'll get the, ra- I'll get the radar gun out. Let, let's get some real work in. Stop worrying about what this frigging rap soda says. It goes yeah. back to, again, I don't mean to get fired yeah. up about this. It goes back to too much putting things into analyticals, uh, analytics's hands. Have some feel. We've seen a pattern here from every guest we've had, current player, managers, past player, coaches, whatever. They all say the same thing. You have to have that human element, that gut feeling if you want to win, especially Justin Morneau said. Everyone can get the 70% numbers. You want to get that 30%, you have to have that feeling. A wristwatch ain't going to do that. Kelly, what do you got, champion? One last thing for me on this. As a fan, nothing to do with playing the game. When I'm watching a television broadcast and no one's on base, I love looking into the catcher's sign and going, yeah. oh, okay, Adam Wainwright's going to throw the curveball right here. Interesting. Yeah. He's starting That's with the curveball. Cool. And then he's going to a fastball. I see the one. I know what a two is. And, you know, obviously it changes the guys on base and some guys, some teams are using multiple signs now anyways. But, you know, when the camera zooms in yeah. on Yachty putting down the signs, I yeah. love that. And if you take yeah. that away because it's all on a wristwatch, that takes away part of my enjoyment. And then, right then you got the base runners peeking in to see what sign is. If he's going to run on that pitch or if he's right. not, what's he going awesome. to do? It's a sport, mate. Parts of the, that is part of the game. That's all what we love. It's sport, uh, exactly. You're taking away too much of the game by bringing those into it. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Talking about a sport, let's let's transition to our Aussie segment. Now, if you got any, By the way, you got any thoughts about anything we talk about? We get hit up all the time. Really good questions from all over the world. Bring them in, mate. I do a pretty good job of getting back to you. I'm sorry if I haven't just yet, but I do a pretty good job of getting back to you either at thetopstep.com or on social media. Or on the show. Answer questions on the show. Yeah, we can answer questions on the show. Absolutely, for sure. Um, Now, listen, speaking of sport, mate, there is nothing greater than the the Ironman series in the 90s, mate. Was there anything better than that? Mate, I used to love it. I used to flick the telly on on a weekend. See oh. the uh, grain and all that stuff, mate. Oh, yeah. Solo, now, mate, solo thirst, solo man. That's right, yeah. <laughs> solo crusher. Slam it down fast. The big, Slam that's it right. down fast. I forgot about that. But dude, I remember being growing up in the 90s, dude, in Australia, and you'd have, I think, was it a Sunday Arvo? They had the Ironman series on. Yeah, usually on a Sunday Arvo down at you know, Manly or on the northern beaches there or wherever. Up on the Gold any, Coast, cool and gather. beaches, yep, Gold Coast. That was a lot of the massive. sponsors now. I think Milo is sponsoring a lot of that stuff now. Actually, I've noticed oh, good on. Even some of the some of the kids ones and the younger ones as well. Yeah, they should. So, Mate, uh, I tell you what. Yeah. Usually, endurance sports don't get a whole lot of play on TV or or anything for that matter. You know, they kind of get. I yeah. mean, they're great athletes and they get pushed to the side, but. I got to say, mate. Now, when I say Ironman series, I'm not talking about Ironman as in triathlon, bike, swim, run. I'm talking about. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry. Swim, bike, run. Yeah. Well, well, no, it is. Yeah, but it is. But you're paddling boards on the beach. Yeah, paddling on, boards. 
running the surf ski yeah they typically were running paddling and swimming i think it was always it was always kind of different they had the board paddle they had the surf ski which is basically you know it's like a kayak basically yeah but um, through the waves you're getting crushed by waves mind you crushed I remember and then, was- then you ride them in. I used to love it too. You get the guy out the back, you'd catch one, you'd pass the guy in the front. You're like, ah, oh, mate. You know, there, was a, there was a lot of tip back and forward. Yeah, yeah. tip and tat, and, right? And the skis are bumping into each other, the boards are bumping in, and they get Yeah, and they and get and- onto the sand and give you a nudge and put a yeah. shoulder in. And then exactly. And you got the one there to go around the flags, they'd rip in tight into the flags because you had to make that turn. On that soft sand, just gassed. And you get yeah. the guys too. They get off the ski too early, and the water's too deep, so they're trying to do the, oh, the hero, yeah, yeah, hero right. run to the water. Oh, and they're mate. Like, mate, there was a lot doing? of strategy. You had to you had to ride it all the way in, try yeah. to catch a wave. There was a bit of luck there too, catching a wave right at the right time. Yeah, there the was. Timing. Yeah, you had to know. You know, you had to know what you were doing. But, but uh, yeah, the big ones, like you say, uh, Trevor Handy, mate. Who was some, who was some of the uh, the all stars? Who's in the Hall of Fame here? Trevor Handy, obviously. I mean, he was oh, on the yeah. commercials too. Like, um, I think there was one commercial he had. When Vita Weeks was making a push, remember Wheat Bix was the big one. You had your the Wheat Bix. That's what you would eat. Basically, yeah. just big blocks of like wheat. I guess I don't know. It's like a, a cereal. But what you'd do is just slam on the sugar. Remember on top of it. Oh yeah, that's it. Just toss right on top, mate. Because it's pretty dry. I mean, it's super dry if you don't put the sugar on, right? You got Guy one. Leach. You got Trevor Guy Henry, Leach. Guy Leach. Grant Kenny. Grant Kenny. That was the one. That's what I was saying. There was one with the same name as me. Mate. He had the, Grant he had the, Kenny. That was it. His missus did it too. What was her name? Um, didn't you? Oh, that's a- right. Yeah, and she was good too. Lisa Curry, Kenny. That's right, mate. Lisa <laughs> Curry, right. Kenny, mate. Mate, they were prime time. That like, do you remember? Oh, like, mate. Yeah, they were Grant, all over it. Grant Kenny. I mean, I guarantee you that bloke is still smashing out twenty k runs on the soft sand. I guarantee. Oh, yeah, you. yeah, they're both in uh, both in great nick. Oh, Says yeah. here, I'm seeing a picture here. Grant Kenny, fifty two, shows off his first Ironman figure. While enjoying a day at the surf, they got a bunch of kids. Looks like they got three kids. Yeah, mate, he's yeah. still still in good nick for fifty two. Yeah, look at this. See that they married. Uh, wait, fifty two? Be older than that, wouldn't he? Says you, fifty two. No, he'd, he'd be older than that. I mean, Lisa Curry Kenny, she won the Commonwealth Swimming Champion in nineteen eighty six. You're kidding, aren't you? Oh no! Well, this might this might be. No, older. see, look, Grant, Grant Kenny's the older. I'm he's, looking at. <laughs> you're looking at something. No. He, he's he, 58. He was born in 1963. There you go. If, if you saw a picture of him, no, you wouldn't. He's totally different. You no, look he looks up. like he's 35, mate. But just his no. skin, his skin's just gone, mate. Freckles all over. It looked like he sneezed into a tin of Milo, mate. That's <laughs> yeah, mate. He's just, yeah, what a stud, is. though. What a stud, though, right? Oh, mate. You remember? And there was a good movie, classic movie called Cool and Gather Gold. Maybe, remember we did the Two Hands movie review? Might have to do a Cool and Gather Gold screening. Well, you and I watch it and we re- review it. You ever watch Cool and yeah. Gary Gold? Oh, I haven't seen that one, actually. I've seen right a lot of the good Australia. Aussie ones, but I haven't seen that. Oh, it's classic, mate. T- to, uh, yeah, cool and Gary Gold. Is it on Netflix? In yeah. the archives? <laughs> I'm going to look it up here. Cool and Gary Gold. Have a look at this. Um, well, because the Cool and Gary Gold is the, the event. Mate, look at this poster. I'm going to have to post this on, on social. John Joe Lucas is determined that his son Adam will is. become a champion Ironman. He neglects his youngest son, Steve, that's right, who is aspiring band manager, enjoys karate as well as being his brother's training partner. That's right. The two brothers, mate. Uh, that's right. $20,000 prize money. There you go. What are these, what are these uh, baseballers, okay. what are these baseballers mate, it, it, complaining it did, about? It did $1.365 in the box office, Aussie dollars. It, mate, that's <laughs> a killing. 
<laughs> to kill her back home. That's <laughs> Grant. I can't. You are on Australia, mate. If you have not seen Cool and Gully Gold, you are kidding. I, I bet oh, you, Coey the Apprentice, has seen Cool and Gully Gold. Yeah, right. Steve falls in love with a ballet dancer, Kerry, who inspires Keza, who inspires him to compete in his brother with his brother. So that's right, they compete and they're running at the end, mate. At the end of the cool movie, and Gold. movie features Grant Kenny. Uh, see cameos. He was big time, dude. I just remember the YouTube. Uh, mate, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check it out when we get up. I'll hit, I'll hit the. Uh, I'll hit the cinemas, mate. <laughs> the yeah, cinemas. They, they, they should be playing at the Hoyts somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Get your hey, tickets. Mate, have you still got a video cassette player? Yeah, I'll throw it on VHS. I, I'm watching. Actually, I'm I, I used. To, I grew up with Beta with the Beta. I used to have the Beta before VHS. Remember your Beta? And, your mum and dad get sucked into Beta, did they? I, no, yeah, we, had the yeah, we had the Beta. Yeah, we had the Beta, and then they went to VHS, and then you know DVDs and Bluetooth. But if you put the beat, if you put the Beta tape in, if you put the Beta tape into the other machine, it'd go all. It'd be lines all through. Remember that? Yeah, it'd just be snow. Yeah, <laughs> I remember we we had. I I think it was that or the other way around. And I was at my cousin's place, and they had the Beta machine, and we bought a video over to watch one night, Friday night, and pizza whatever and the yeah. lines are through it mate we're trying to watch a movie <laughs> and they're like now nah, you'll be right just keep watching yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh mate that's good that's golden i know i think it was i think it was footloose the original footloose or something <laughs> <laughs> awesome well anyway yeah, right. that, the iron man series mate are we that yeah. i'm glad you brought that up cool and get a gold we're gonna watch that we have to review that that might be an assignment for the apprentice too. He might have to go watch it as well. Get get, yeah. get his take from an American. All right, I'll mate, get on it. That's my homework. That's my homework. I'll that's get your, on it. <laughs> that's right. That's your homework. Forget everything else important you've got to do. It's this podcast and it's yeah. your homework watching Cool and Go to Gold 50 times to give us a <laughs> give us a proper review. I'll be I'll be coming at you with the themes and the motifs and oh, everything you can imagine from this. I movie. can't wait, mate. I can't Love wait. It. I cannot Love wait. It. I'm I am gonna that's my homework too this weekend. Kids are going to want to watch some Disney thing. Nope. Cool and yeah. go to go. Cool and go to go, boys and girls. <laughs> Take it on. Big, Pull up big, a seat. Go and get your popcorn. Throw your popcorn yeah. in the microwave and let's go. There you go. Sean, you got, you got, here you go. Adam and Steve, the brothers. And Kerry's like, nah, mate. You compete against your brother. You can do it, mate. <laughs> nah, I don't want to. I'm a beer manager. They're my best lines. Whoever's seen the movie or loves the movie is like, you, you tell me I'm butchering the movie. Usually they have lines from the movie. Anyway, regardless, I'm watching that. That's that's going to be watched. If you do want to watch Cool and Gather Gold, give us your own review. Actually, review this podcast, please. Apparently that helps it out too. I've said that a million times. Go on and review this bad boy before you review Cool and Gather Gold. Grant, you got anything else, champion? Before we let Mate, you go, I was go? just going to finish. I was looking at some of these, um, looking at some of these times here, and some of these uh, winners from the uh, from the actual event and stuff like that. It says here, just showing like. You know, Guy Leach back in 84 and stuff. Nowadays, you had Kane Eckstein and then Ali Day, mate. Ali Day is just a, a mainstay almost since 2012. He's won uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of the nine uh, races in the in the Ironman, mate. So what a stud this bloke must be. Yeah, I, it, the, the fact it's still going on is awesome because it was prime time. It was dead set yeah. in the 90s was prime time. Now, I do have to name drop here. This isn't my claim to fame, but I do have to name drop. When I was in high school, I had a girlfriend. Her name was Christy Cameron. Yeah. And it was the women was the Devondale Iron Women. She won that bad boy. Mate, this chick, she's well, a swimmer. Christy, right? 
We went and saw Jurassic Park down at Tugra together, rode the train down. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> but sat, sat, in a, sat in the movies. We, we whopped school. No, I'm joking. We didn't know. I think we had a day off and we caught the train down. Anyway, Christy, big shout out. I know you're listening. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> of course she is. The, but Christy, mate, she was a weapon in the pool. She used to she used to come to school and I'm like, oh, you're all right. She goes, oh, I'm just tired. You know, I'm like, oh, what do you have this yeah. morning? She goes, oh, I had to do 2K of butterfly. I was just like, my jaw dropped. Here I am crushing, right. a, crushing a sausage roll at lunch. Can I, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, mate. But Christy Cameron, big shout out. <laughs> Devin Dahl, <laughs> women champion. Google it, look uh, her up. Uh, I might have to give her, might have to stalk her on Facebook and, and say, Hey, uh, do you listen to the show? No, I'm yeah, t- check out the top step. Yeah. Check it out. In between your 2k butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take a break and get out of the pool. Yeah, get your swimming cap off and, and rip in. All right. Now, all right. I've kept you on too long. It's time to go. Grant, this has been fun, mate. We'll see you next week. Champion. All right, buddy. Good on you. Great. Hopefully we're and in spring right training. Kelly, good Kelly, on you, mate. Appreciate your input, mate. My pleasure. Absolutely. All right, guys. See you next week. See you, mate.